deals with uh, things with, uh, we don't often deal with, and I think they have to be dealt with. Well, I'll tell you what you do. You put the garbage in at the top and get the gasoline out at the bottom, says Floyd, about the oil refinery he built in his backyard. Floyd Wallace says he feeds uh, leaves, grass clippings, table scraps, coal, and other garbage into a furnace, and then uh, turns the spigot at the bottom, and out comes high-octane gasoline. <laughs> yeah, anybody can build one, Wallace said of his uh, little home refinery. All it takes is a vat, a bonfire, coil of tubes, a few gadgets, a little time, of course, you got to be able to run fast because sometimes it burns. Wallace <laughs> Well, I don't make the news on the court. Wallace said it cost him $500 to build his gasoline machine 12 years ago, long before the gas crisis. And uh, he's been distilling his own gasoline ever since. And he's been knocking ice. In fact, he says uh, that you can always find a specialist, you know, to do this kind of thing. He says a, a fuel specialist dropped by last week and, quote, they uh, found that my gas was... Uh, even higher octane than aviation gas. Well, of course, if that's true, he probably has a car that has a life expectancy of eight or nine weeks because there ain't nothing quicker than to burn the top of your car off than something like aviation gas. Anyway, uh, Wallace says he uses his personal brew in his car, his motorcycle, and his lawnmower. Yet, well, he says, I'm going to do just what nature's done for millions of years, uh, he said, just apply a little heat and pressure to organic materials like garbage, and you get crude oil, much like the stuff that comes out in the ground. Then I'll fractionate it, and I can get methane, propane, axle grease, kerosene, diesel fuel, oleomargarine, or gasoline. I control the octane by controlling the heat. I just set the burner at a certain temperature, and out comes kerosene to send up a little bit, and out comes oleo. Set up a little bit like that. More like, see, I'm going to set it up right here, and out comes... Uh, bug juice. I go out and I spray the roaches with that. And uh, so you see anything is possible. And by the way, I'm making now available to people all over the country plans for my little machine at $1,000 a piece. I have over 400 orders already. So it's going to work out. Which is the story of what it's about. Yes. We have no bananas. But don't forget friends is a sucker born every minute. They come short and fat and tall and thin. That's what I like about them. They're every one of them is marks. Yeah. Oh, we got rutabagas and potatoes. We got radishes and scallions. But we got plenty of, we got plenty of bananas all the way. Oh, yes. We got nothing but suckers. Oh, there's one born at least 15 times a second. Of course, that's with the population explosion, friends. But we got no bananas. Bring it up there, baby. Hold it there, now. Now, wait a minute. You hear that now? Now, people read it. They, they believe it, you know? And, uh, they do. How about that guy out in, uh, in England? You heard about him? You know, and, and you can always get publicity because any, any television station is looking for what they call a human interest story. So uh, uh, if, you, if you announce, call up Gabe Pressman, and you announce that you're making gasoline in the backyard by using uh, uh, secondhand cranberries, he'd be there in five minutes with the camera. And they'd present it, you know. 
Uh, in fact, did you did you read about the guy in England that claims he's making gas out of uh, how can I say it uh, uh, delicately? It's uh, well, let's put it this way: it's uh, it's residue of chickens. It's uh, <laughs> you know, well, you know, they 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 got a lot of that same stuff in the army, and uh, they they uh, they don't make gasoline out of it, but I suppose they could, but. Nevertheless, he claims this. Now, I, I, I'm going to warn you. I'm doing this a public service tonight. And it's not going to be popular. But I'm going to have to do it. Many public services are not. Uh, you know, you go on a blood drive and you take blood up. That's not popular. But it has to be done, right? I mean, you do a, uh, a telethon to stamp out apathy. Now, that's not popular because people like apathy. And uh, it's got to be done. So tonight, I'm uh, giving you the benefit of my vast life experience on the underbelly of man, uh, I must tell you that that the country is going to be flooded with all kinds of trick gas devices. Oh, yes. You, uh, he bought one already. I'm sure he's holding it up there, see? <laughs> the International Widget Company makes them, I'm sure. But the, the country is going to be flooded with these and millions of people will buy them. Now, whether or not they get more gas or less gas is totally... Uh, they, they, they're going to believe they're getting more. And that's more important than getting more. Matter of fact, any good doctor will tell you <laughs> that, that a patient who feels like he's getting better is much more, you know, so, you know, that's called the placebo principle. Now, what is the placebo? Well, placebo is a thing you take. It's a sugar pill. So if, uh, if a guy comes in, he says, oh, 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 wow, my back hurts, oh, wow, wow. And, and he is a hypochondriac, and he wants to believe that his back hurts. The doctor gives him a placebo. And incidentally, I might add, and uh, I hate to tell you this, uh, my engineer is hiding under the desk in there. He bought two cases of these things, that, uh, that the, most, the more a person thinks he is technical-minded, now, listen carefully, because this is going to come up in the exam. The more a person believes he's technical-minded, the more prone he is to be taken by this. Not the other way. You would just think that, you know, the nice lady that, that uh, says, I don't know anything about cars. All I know is you press the button and it goes. She is not going to buy one of these things. Because this is, you know, completely mysterious to her. And... And uh, any any guy that's selling a cockamamie gas-saving device never goes to a nice lady in a net shopping bag. She doesn't even know they put gas in her car. All she knows is once in a while, and just when that little, that little the needle there, when it goes down and points to E, I stop in that place in the corner where they have those funny-looking things sticking out, and the man rattles something in the back, and I give him $4. Well, that's, uh, she doesn't know what that stuff is even they put in her car. <laughs> so uh, many of you probably don't even know what octane the gasoline is that your car uses. Uh, that, uh, that's another problem. So, you know, you can get by with a lot of stuff in the gas world. However, part of our public service programming tonight is based on the concept that many people are going to get taken by this. Now, why is this so? Why are they going to get taken? The next question is, why, if you can buy a device for 295 
$2.95. It's going to double the mileage of gas. Why didn't they put it into your car years ago? Well, that's based on another great American theme. They wouldn't allow it. So when the great American, uh, uh, it's almost like uh, the, the Norse sagas. Uh, it, it has much in parallel with the Norse sagas. It, one of the great American traditions is that uh, everything has been invented except they bought it out and they wouldn't let it stay. They wouldn't, you know, how many times have you heard people say this? You know, say, uh, oh, come, come on, are you kidding? Uh, what? Are you, are you trying to tell me? Listen, they, got a, they have already invented an engine. They, and I know for a fact, I read about it once in Popular Mechanics and I once met a guy that lived outside of Chile County, Ohio, who knew a guy in Toledo who actually worked on one of these things. They invented an engine that would get over 700 miles to the gallon of gas, and not only that, you never have to change your oil for the lifetime of the motor. It lasts over 4,000 miles. This motor will give you 100 miles an hour, and not only that, the motor has a lifetime guarantee it'll last longer than the car. Now, you don't think, oh, are you nuts? You don't think for a minute they'd let that out, do you? Oh, man. Oh, no, I'll tell you what happened. You know what happened? General Motors was working on this thing, see? And the guy that was working on it was kidnapped one night outside of Detroit, and the, the oil interest got a hold of this guy, and they paid him off 50000 bucks, and they told him never to open his mouth to find it. You'll never see that. They got, the, they got the diagrams of this thing in a safe, and I know about it because I had a friend that saw it once. All right, how many times you heard that? You have, in variations of that, uh, very, yes, many, many times, uh, applied to almost every conceivable kind of uh, piece of equipment uh, <laughs> that they at one time, oh, yes, I, I, I one time sat very seriously in a restaurant here in New York. I love to hear this stuff, see. And this guy, this guy's uh, sitting down, it's in the H&H, you know, and he's sitting there and he's got a serious catalog on him, see, and he's looking real mad. And, uh, yeah, you know, you get, the, you get in a conversation with the guy, see, and, and uh, he says, uh, he says, look at this. Look at this. Oh, I got to buy tires again for the car? Here I am buying tires again for the car? And, and, oh, boy, if I could get that car off my back. I says, well, what do you mean buying tires again for the car? Uh, uh, how often do you buy tires? Look. I put highs two years ago. I only got 35,000 miles on them tires. I got to get a new set of tires already again. And I want to tell you this. I know for a fact, oh, boy, the American people are real suckers, that they invented the, yeah, there was an oil and a, and a tire company invented a tire that was guaranteed for the lifetime of your car. And I want to tell you this, they're never going to let that one out. I said, well, gee, you know, guaranteed for the lifetime of your car. A tire? Do you realize, sir, what, <laughs> what, how much fantastic money could be made if you were the only company in the world that had a genuine lifetime tire? My God, you'd knock, you know, General Goodyear, Goodrich, all of them, right out of business overnight. Why should they put it away? Ah, oh, don't bother me. I ain't got no time. I gotta go down and send out a money order. All these tires. All right. Now that. I, I want to say that this is a, this is going to be a curse of our time. You know, I'll bet any money, I'll bet people are listening right now who have already bought magic. And, of course, if you read the instructions carefully, what it says is, 
install according to the directions very carefully, and then follow these instructions. Use high-test gasoline and do not drive over 25 miles an hour. And the guy does, see? He drives over 25 miles an hour, you know? In other words, it's like a lot of reducing things, which are strictly also phony. And, and the way they get by with it, if you're curious about it, is, is they always say, follow instructions carefully. Well, the instructions invariably involve you will get more mileage anyway if you follow the instructions. In short, if you drive 25 miles a gallon, 25 miles an hour in your car, you're simply going to get more gas mileage no matter what. Do you agree with that? <laughs> and that's usually given as the instructions. Says, Do not drive over 45. And you say, oh, okay, I'll try that. Gee, it's fantastic. This thing is saving me. <laughs> Eight or nine gallons in a... Wow. And, of course, if you took the thing out, it would probably work better. But the facts of the matter are that this is going to be a big scene. And uh, you're going to find all kinds of great uh, new schemes to save gas every place. Uh, speaking of gas, this is WOR New York. And uh, here we have a little... Uh, hit it, uh, please. The world's greatest magicians perform at the World Festival of Magic and the Atonement. Weird show on Earth. An unforgettable experience. Bring the whole family. You can hold each other's hands. The World Festival of Magic and the Atonement. Weird show on Earth. Wednesday, December 12th through Sunday, December 30th at the Felt Forum in Madison Square Garden Center. For ticket information, call 212-564-4400. Tickets also at Ticketron. <laughs> so, so anyway, I'll, 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 incidentally, if you can get yourself something that has a very fancy name to it, that'll get them. Like, uh, of course, what is good today? Uh, everyone knows that uh, the word catalyst is used a great deal in gasoline, right? Uh, octo, that's a good word, octane. Octo-atomo-catalyst splitter converter. There you got it. <laughs> you know, this is all part of the seed. But I, the reason I tell you this is because I, uh, I come before you tonight as a, uh, as a person who saw a great tragedy, not really, but, you know, a family... A, 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 a legendary family fight erupt over one of these devices. That is correct. A legendary fight. Uh, every family. Now, you grew up in a family. You had a mother and a father, I presume, and uh, probably a couple of sisters or maybe a brother or somebody walking around. At least you had a couple, you know, people around the house. There was a little family unit. They call it the nuclear family. Now, you grew up in that scene. And no doubt there were little private tales and, and legends that were in your family. The, you know, they were just private stories, like uh, the time Uncle Carl fell down the stairs. Uh, you know, little things like that. Uh, like one of, one of my friends has a, has a very deep, dark secret, which they don't talk about, except once in a while late at night when they've had a snoot full of cheap wine, they start talking about it. It's a family secret. It occurred at a wedding. Usually family disasters occur during moments of uh, high ritual. Uh, and it occurred during a wedding when they had these people over there that were uncles. And uh, one uncle got into a gigantic fight with another uncle in this very elegant catering place where they were having the wedding party and everybody was dressed in tuxedos. They had a gigantic fight. 
they started to slug each other right there in front of everybody. And before the, the bride could even cut the wedding cake, these two uncles had knocked over the table. The wedding cake went down. Glasses were being broken. The police came, and the whole wedding broke up in a giant melee, and half of them were in the wagon. Now, they don't talk about this. You can't. It sounds funny to you and me, but they get very tense <laughs> whenever you bring it up because apparently the fight was about something which is so sensitive they don't even discuss why they were fighting. And you know the person. I won't even tell you about it, Jerry, so he's interested in that now. So we all have these family the squabbles, these family fights. Did you ever see a fight in your house when you were a kid? I don't mean fist fight. I mean, you. I've had enough of it. Now shut up. You know, that kind of thing. You've had, you've seen that? Did you ever see that, Jerry? Okay. I presume we all have. Now, some fights are what could be called the routine fight. Now, a routine fight is a, is a routine fight uh, that is not even remembered 20 minutes after when uh, uh, it's been fought. A routine fight is a fight that uh, almost from the time of the original uh, getting together of the two people, even before they were married, that fight started. Uh, <laughs> that's the routine fight. This is just a uh, you know, little constant, uh, oh, come on, will you get off my back? You know, that kind of stuff. Oh, come, will you, look, I, I don't, uh, I told you, how many times have I told you? 500 times I'm getting tired of this stuff. Now, when you take my pants and hang them up, for God's sakes, take the coins out of it. Now it's all over the bottom. You know, this goes on and on, right? That's called a routine fight. Now, there, in every, uh, in every, uh, in every life, though, there are fights that stand out as majestic, major wars. Now, uh, we it, let's take uh, let's take the history of mankind. Uh, there has rarely been a time in the history of man, including right now this minute, when at some time, some place in the world, there has not been a war going on. But they only call, <laughs> they only call, World War One is called World War One because it was a biggie. Uh, World War Two is a big, big one. Now, nobody's going to, hardly anybody even remembers the Nigerian-Bangladesh war. You know, that was a little war How many, because we weren't involved. How many remember, uh, uh, you know, little wars that uh, pop out between the uh, North Koreans and the North Chinese constant, uh, the Indian wars? So these are not major wars by world standards. Now, this is what I'm talking about in the fights. You have a fight in your family, and sometimes it has repercussions for years. Now, mostly these fights, the genuinely big fights, revolve around something that is primary in the family. Crucial. Crucial. I'll tell you one time I saw a, a fantastic fight in a family that wound up eventually in a divorce over a primary area of this family's existence. Now, most people think it's sex. I have not seen many divorces as a result of sex. Have you? No. I've not even seen many fights about this, in spite of... Uh, plays that are constantly written with people yelling at each other about emasculation. I never see it in real life. In, in actual fact, uh, fights are about things which seem to be peripheral, but are actually primary to the family. And I saw a fight one time break out. It was really a fantastic battle. I happened to be present at a fight that later wound up in a divorce. 
because you see some that's that's when it, you know that's like total war. Uh, when it finally gets into that scene, that's like all right, okay, let's pull off the gloves now. We're really going to fight. You know, we always pull back a little bit in, in our mind, but uh, this one broke out in this way. I I went. There was a double thing. I I was with a girl and his friend of mine who was married to this uh, very elegant girl, not kind of a nice girl anyway, and uh, we went to a movie, okay? And uh, we went out to a movie. Now, I didn't think much about it, but I can take movies and leave them alone. I really can. Uh, I, you know, I can go for years without seeing a movie. It never bothers me one bit. So this was just a night. We went out, we went to this movie. I didn't think anything about it. We saw the movie, we saw the picture, and... Uh, on the way back from the movie, we, we were going to go home to their house and we we're going to have this drink and all that stuff. We stopped at a place for a cheeseburger and we're sitting there. And it started. It was just like a tiny breath of fetid tropical air that precedes the hurricane. You know, it's a suspicious little thing. He's sitting there eating his cheeseburger and uh, the, the movie came up. Somebody said something about the movie. I don't even know who brought it up. And he says, oh, God, he says, eh, you know, he said, uh, he says, uh, what do you expect? It's a, it's a Paul Newman movie. At that point, she says, so, well, what, what is it you do? Why don't you like Newman? I like Paul Newman, his wife says. I, 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 what, what is it with, with Paul Newman? He says, oh, yeah, I, uh, all right. He said, okay, he says, I don't want to argue about it. He says, it's a Paul, typical Paul Newman movie. He says, well, I thought it was a good picture. And he said, well, you would. She said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, you would think it's a good picture. It's, it's the kind of thing you would like. That's all. So, so, hey, uh, hey, would you bring me another cheeseburger? And, and, and little did we realize what we were seeing, me and this other girl, we've often talked about it since, the girl I was with, because we, we were seeing the beginnings of a fantastic battle. And, and uh, it, it slowly began to escalate. And now it began to get very cool at the table. He says, look, look. I don't want to talk about it. Now, shut up, will you? Look, it's just a picture. It's only a movie. She said, well, it's more than a movie. It's the trouble with you is you're always criticizing it. You, you said right here, it's the kind of thing I would like. Now, what do you mean by that? You're not talking about a movie. You're criticizing me. He said, no, I'm not. I just said it's the kind of movie you would like. Well, we got back in the car. He was driving. She's sitting next to him. They were absolutely silent. And I'm sitting back there talking to the girl. We're carrying a general conversation. We get to the house. My instinct was to cut out and split. <laughs> you know, get the hell out of here. But no, she had gotten, you know, little sandwiches and stuff. We were going to have a, a little thing after the movie. So we went to the house. And about ten minutes after we're in the house, he has a, he has a, he has a great big double bourbon. And that's what started he takes this double bourbon and he tosses it down. Obviously, he was still smoldering. So he didn't drink it the way you would do, you know, a casual thing. You zap down it goes. <laughs> oh, God, what a wasted night. He says, what the hell? Why the hell did we spend the whole night? Sometimes I wonder what the hell we do. We spend a whole night. Look, we're all grown-up people. Now, he's not talking to her. He's talking to me and the girl. He says, well, look, we're grown-up people. Have you ever wondered why we go, we spend the whole night, we go down to this place, what do we do? We sit there and watch a movie, we're watching some clown 
who's uh, overpaid. He's pretending he's some character that some other guy wrote. It's uh, silly. We know the end of it before we see it even. We know he's going to get the bad guy. And we know that he's going to, you know, he's going to get the girl in the end. And yet we go down there, we sit there for two and a half hours, and we pretend like we, you know, like we're enjoying it. What, have you ever wondered what this, this is what life's about. Sitting here with your friends, having a little drink, eating. And his wife is saying nothing. And so the girl I'm with says a little, you know, yeah, that's true. I never thought of it that way. Finally, she says, all right, okay, let's bring it out in the open, George. You have presented for years the fact that I enjoy movies. You presented for years that I've enjoyed movies. You, why don't you come out and tell them that you can't, you hate movies because I like them. I said, well, now, wait a minute. What do you mean I hate movies because you like them? Anybody with any sense in his head hates movies. Are you saying I don't have any sense? I'm not saying that, but if the damn shoe fits, wear it. Well, I began to see it was a basic primary fight which I had seen break out from time to time, never never in such open terms. By the way, before it was over, uh, he jumped up and ran into the john and locked the door and wouldn't come out, and she was in the kitchen crying. So I finally said to this girl, Dorothy, come on, let's get the hell out of here. So long, George. We'll see you, Peggy. And you hear snuffling in the kitchen. You hear, yeah, all right. I go out and get in the car. What was I seeing? The basic schism between people who live in the world of fantasy and those who don't. I just wonder how many people living out there can't stand going to... The movies are dull. The TV shows bore the hell out of them. And they can't understand what the other people see in it. That's a basic difference. And to many people, movies are realer than life. This is this is life. Their real life is nothing. To other people, movies are trivial, and their real life's important. That's a basic split, man. So when you get these fights that come about over basic things, you got to watch out. Stand back, because you're liable to get hit by fragments. You better keep a low syllable. And I was about nine when this great fight erupted in our family. Now, my old man was a profound and dedicated reader of, the, of all kinds of popular mechanics types magazines. He read popular mechanics from cover to cover. Have you ever read it? Yeah, he was always reading stuff like popular science, popular electronics. He loved this stuff, you know. And there's always an article in there, invariably there's an article in there. It says uh, uh, something like... Uh, Usual article is kind of great. It says, a revolution. <laughs> and, you know, dot, 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 dot. It shows Herman L. Gutstop of the General Electric Laboratories, point two. It shows, yes, uh, for 25 years now, the engineers have been breaking through. Well, the old man loved this kind of stuff. And he loved reading, and he loved reading the back pages, in the back pages, things like popular mechanics and popular science. There were these little, little smudgy ads. Little kinds of ads back there that says like, things like uh, uh, "grind your own valves." Yes, for money and profit, and for fun, and for a great new hobby, a valve grinding kit from the Valve Grinding Kit Corporation of Mason City, Iowa. 
said the <laughs> satisfaction guaranteed total instructions. Build a kayak. 25 cent plans, easily done in two weeks. And, and, and Americans always believe that stuff is easy if you can get the right book. And if you can get a kit. Oh, many a guy is... I know one guy that bought an airplane kit. He was going to build an airplane. I mean, a real live flying airplane. There's a lot of people that were going into that scene. And you know damn well out of the 5,000 airplane kits that are sold, less than one-ninetieth of one-tenth of one percent will ever actually take off the end of a runway. Because it's a dream. It's always a dream. And these magazines are filled with this stuff, you know. Lose inches and pounds in five minutes with this new magic spring tension device. Yes, eat all you want. Be a slob, drink and eat all you want. At the same time, lose weight with these new magic pills. This stuff is always in the back there, you right? Learn to be a fantastic dancer. <laughs> and it's all little smudgy little ads. Well, the old man was always interested in this stuff. And from time to time, he would go in for it. So time to time, he'd be a sucker and do it. Now, there was one major thread that ran through his life, as it is with many males. Not only my old man, but millions right now. And that was his automobile. His automobile was the major contrapuntal theme to his existence. And he would spend a great deal of time, even even during the day, unconsciously probably thinking of his car. You know, things he's going to do to it, what he's going to do this weekend to it, he's going to take a, you know, he's polish it, he buys himself uh, some turtle wax. He's, you know, and he's, it's the car, see, that was, that was one of the major things in his life. And so naturally, let us face this fact, that major things in your life will call for major con games. There are two areas that you can sell people almost anything in. One of them is the car, and what do you think the other one is? Sex. Matter of fact, uh, it's almost impossible to write a book about sex that loses money. Because <laughs> there is a continuing, uh, I mean, the how-to sex book we're discussing here. Uh, we're talking about the Dr. Rubin syndrome. You can write a book and say the very things that everybody in the world knows about sex. And they will still read this and pretend in their mind that they're discovering new things. So this is one of the great sucker areas, sex. Uh, th there's never been a, a porny film that lost money, that closed after ten minutes. <laughs> I mean, you know. So this is, this is a part, part of the way it is, see. And they're both primary things. Yes, mobility of the modern man is as important to him as procreation. In fact, uh, many people will tell you that, uh, that that's one of the curious uh, characteristics of man, 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 meaning the species of man, is his, his deep, absolutely buried, submerged, and at the same time total urge to explore. Why do you think we're sending probes, for God's sakes, out to Venus and Pluto? <laughs> I mean, I mean, we keep pretending it's going to be great scientific discoveries, but the fact remains we want to see it out there. We want to see what's out there all the time. Uh, the, the next mountain drew people always to come and 
climb over the top of it and look down and see what was on the other side. Man has spread all over the globe, under the sea, every place, because of his urge to move. So it's a primary thing you're dealing with, the car. You're, you're dealing with a primary urge. That car represents movement to a man. It represents movement just as much as any kind of a phallic symbol represents sex. This is movement. It, it, it uh, relates to his own basic urge to move. <laughs>